February of 2023, um, our family, along with half the island during the two-week vacation because of Canada Games, um, we went to Disney World. And this is a, a picture of like our family standing uh, in front of the castle, kind of the light show that happens there every day. Um, and it was uh, just an amazing time. And, and we've been there several times over the years. And, and if you haven't been there, I would greatly encourage you to go because Disney really is the best place in the world. Uh, but at the end of every day, 40,000, 50,000 people gather kind of around the castle to watch this light show. And it is, it is remarkable. From that moment on, every other Charlottetown fireworks, you're like, meh, whatever. Uh, it is just remarkable what they are able to do with projection and lights and lasers and, and fireworks. And as you stand there, and I remember this kind of vividly, and every time we're there, it, it has this kind of sense where you are aware of smells of cotton candy and popcorn and delicious things that only exist kind of in Disney World. Um, you're there with family and all kinds of other people that are there, and that's just a, a wonderful blessing in and of itself. And, and in some ways, Disney is right. Kind of dreams come true for, for yet but a moment, kind of in those, in those moments. I share this quick story with you to really highlight our theme for today, which is the theme of pleasure. Pleasure is meaningless, says the teacher in Ecclesiastes. During the fall, we've been working through this incredible book, and Solomon is the author of it. He's the wise king of Israel. Um, he writes this book to highlight all the efforts that he has uh, gone through to finding kind of purpose in life or meaning in life or fulfillment in life. Um, when you are reading through it, there's some passages. They're not on the screen, but this speaks to his kind of exploratory journey through all of life to figure out where is life found. And he says, um, I applied my mind to study and explore all that is done under the heavens. In another place, he says, I have tested everything to find out what is good and what is right. In another place, he says, I denied myself nothing. I refused my heart no pleasure, all in the pursuit of like life and rest and joy and contentment. Solomon ran after it all. He pursued everything that he wanted to. He had the means to do it so he did. And at the end of it all, this theme of like, it's just all meaningless. It's a chasing after the wind. It, it doesn't matter what he tries or what he explores or what he runs after. This refrain of it's just all meaningless. It's a chasing after the wind is beginning to end through this particular book. Now, here's the thing. We, as human beings now, some 3,000 years later, we, we ironically still are doing and searching after the same things that Solomon did. So it is worth our time to explore why Solomon concludes, why it's all meaningless, why it's a chasing after the wind. And it's absolutely worth our time to discuss what God has done in Christ that turns Solomon's conclusions on its head. So before we really get going with this conversation, why pleasure, like everything else so far, is meaningless, we want to read the text. If you have a Bible with you, it's in Ecclesiastes chapter 2. Uh, we're going to spend some time there, and then we're going to jump over to 6 in a moment. Uh, but you can follow along with me as I read um, verses 1 through 11, and then we'll flip over to chapter 6. Solomon writes this. He says, I said to myself, come now. I will test you with pleasure to find out what is good. But that also proved to be meaningless. Laughter, I said, it's madness. And what does pleasure accomplish? I tried cheering myself with wine, 
I embraced folly. My mind still guided me with wisdom. I wanted to see what was good for people to do under the heavens during the few days of their lives. I undertook great projects. I built houses for myself and planted vineyards. I made gardens and parks and planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made reservoirs to water groves and flourishing of trees. I, brought male, sorry, I bought male and female slaves and had other slaves who were born into my house. I also owned more herds and flocks than anyone in Jerusalem before me. I amassed silver and gold for myself and the treasure of kings and provinces. I acquired male and female singers and a harem as well. The young delights of a man's heart. I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me. In all this, my wisdom stayed with me. I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my labor, and this was the reward for all my toil. Yet, when I surveyed all that my hands had done and all what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless. A chasing after the wind, nothing was gained under the sun. And then we flip over to Ecclesiastes 6.2. And this is like awful. God gives some people wealth, possessions, and honor, so they lack nothing their hearts desire. But God does not grant them the ability to enjoy them, and strangers enjoy them instead. This is meaningless, egregious evil. To recap, to paraphrase all of this, Solomon enjoyed great pleasures through the course of his life. The best food you could possibly want, the best drink you could possibly taste, more women and sex that you could possibly imagine, wives, harems, and prostitutes, they all have their own unique category. The best clothes one could make, the greatest entertainment possible, every night was like a Taylor Swift concert in his home home. Everything that money could buy, Solomon experienced it all. He had unlimited resources, so he ran after it all. Hence, I denied myself nothing that my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. He denied his heart nothing. And after he had participated in every pleasure under the sun, he again says, it's all meaningless. It's nothing more than a chasing after the wind, looking for this as ever elusive, where is life found? Where do you have this long, deep sense of, I am finally at rest. I'm finally content with all that I have. And here's where this gets really awkward. Even though that we as adults, and we're mature adults in this room, we know that things do not bring about lasting joy and pleasure. And yet, we kind of all run after the same things. For me, it started early. I'll, I'll show you the highlight reel of where my pleasure started. First slide up, this is it. This first, like, I remember this early. This was amazing. I loved playing with cars. Uh, uh, the big church that my dad worked at, there was this giant, like, sandbox on the side. I would spend hours and hours and hours of my day building a massive, like, cities and castles with cars and roads and tunnels, and I loved all of it, and that kind of faded away to this guy, and this guy was legit. We had a, we had a hill that came down around a, kind of a cul-de-sac, and my mother, I'm, the fact that I'm still here is kind of a miracle given how reckless we were on the three-wheel big wheel, and then... This faded into this. Um, this was Christmas of grade five. Uh, the G.I. Joe Tomahawk helicopter changed my life. Like, it was unbelievable. It had, like, a, a grappling hook that could lower roadblock one of the characters down to save the day. It was quite remarkable. And then a year later, we were on to new skates and hockey gear and all the things that that amassed. 
And then I discovered um, hockey cards. They had value. So we went to um, Murphy's Book Nook, which is a little store in our town, and we would buy all these cards. And we were looking for like Yaramir Yager and Alexander McGilney and Theo Fleury and all these people that were great hockey players in the early 90s and had amassed this giant um, book of cards. And then I sold them all for $80 to buy a pair of Edwin jeans, which was the next pleasure in my life. <laughs> and I now realize I got greatly ripped off in that exchange. And then as jeans gave way, it moved into relationships uh, and so on and so forth through the course of my life. We could all go on and on and on and talk about how every single one of those things, even now as a 45-year-old, that brings joy and pleasure into our life. And yet, ironically, each of these things kind of has its moment. It captures our heart in one way or another, and then it begins to fade, and then we kind of go on to the next thing in our life, the next project, the next task, the next whatever. All along the way, I have great adults begin in my life saying, listen, life isn't found in the things that you have. Life isn't found in all the experiences that you have. And we smile, you smile, we all nod, yeah, I know, I know. And we're like, that guy's crazy. And then we kind of keep on going, kind of doing our thing. We all run through these like yield signs of, I know that this isn't where life's found. And then we kind of do it anyway. We, this is how the human being has functioned for thousands of years and we continue to do it. An adult, if you're here this morning, all we are are just larger versions of junior high students. That's all we are. We're just more sophisticated at it. We're more sinister at it. How do I know? I work with you. And ironically, some of the same conversations, it's, it's the conversations I have with Jacqueline, except you have better voc vernacular now. You have a, a better way to hide what it is that you're working through, and I'm no different. This is the way that we are wired. We are just like Solomon. We deny our hearts nothing. We go after cars, we go after vacations, we go after houses, we go after relationships, we go after all kinds of things. The only difference is, you and I don't have the unlimited resources that Solomon did. But if we did have those unlimited resources, we would be spectacularly awesome in all that we would do for ourselves. Solomon's search for purpose, his drive to find fulfillment or value and pleasure, it'll never happen. It'll never happen for him. It'll never happen for you or for me. Ecclesiastes 6.2, this verse, God gives some people wealth, possessions, and honor, so they lack nothing their hearts desire, but God does not grant them the ability to enjoy it. This is part of the outworking or the consequence of the fall that unfolds in Genesis chapter 3. God has laid upon us in this moment this deep longing inside of us that can never be filled through our things, through our experiences, through the things that we drink, through the things that we eat, through all the things that we experience in our lives. Solomon writes in Ecclesiastes 2.18, he says, I hated pleasure because it doesn't fill the thing that we lack in our life. This is ultimately what Paul is getting at in Romans chapter 1. This is where we worship and run after and seek after the created things rather than the creator himself. Solomon, with all of his wisdom, at the end of his life, after pursuing everything that he could possibly run after, there is this little line that he uses in Ecclesiastes 2.25, and it's on the screen, and this is a great one that you should write down, that you should tattoo this on your arm. If you're going to get one, this is what it should be. 
And some of you are like, my pastor told me to get, that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> Without him, who can eat or find enjoyment? Without him, who can eat or find enjoyment? Now, Solomon doesn't really realize the depths of what this little phrase is. Because it's inside Jesus Christ, where God himself, God, the Messiah, the one who affords us a relationship with himself through his son, it becomes razor-focused in this moment. As you and I walk with the living God through Jesus Christ and what he has done, as we walk in relationship empowered by the Holy Spirit in our life, this is where our life is fashioned and formed. This is where we get to experience what Paul calls the fruits of the Spirit. This is where we get to experience and walk in what is love and life and joy and contentment and rest. And it goes on and on. And there's multiple places where he talks about the quality of the inner life of the son-daughter of the one who walks with the Savior, Jesus Christ. What Jesus does inside of the heart of a human being this is uniquely found in him and in him alone. That longing to belong, I now belong because of Christ. That longing for value and purpose, I have this now in Jesus Christ. This space of contentment with life, where I can be at rest and enjoy life, regardless of all that's unfolding, this is uniquely found in Jesus Christ. It is only inside this relationship with God, because of Christ, with the spirit dwelling inside of us, where you and I, where the human being, can know contentment, fulfillment, life, and rest. And here's what's amazing. We can experience these things in an ongoing way, regardless, this is, this, this is the whole key of the morning, regardless of how much pleasure we're experiencing, or even if there is no pleasure in our life at all. This is why Paul says in Philippians 4, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Solomon never came to this place. He didn't understand the secret that is the driver in the space of contentment. Jesus is the secret, and Paul knew him and knew him well, knowing him walking with him. It's why Derek can actually speak of his experience in a way that most people can't. That regardless of what happens in my life, I can still be content. Whether I have everything or I lose everything. This is when you get into the whole wisdom literature. There is Solomon who had everything and wasn't content. There was Job who lost everything, and ironically was content. And it all comes back to, without him, we will never really experience this. And this is the part that I really want you to hear this morning. If you are actually trying to become an authentic person that is truly thankful for your life and all that you have, and I know lots of people who are like false authentic, when it comes to like the way they're like, thank you, and it's more like, mm, you don't really mean that. But like ones who truly are thankful, ones who truly are thankful for their life. Just imagine that you're already content. 
that you're already content. And on top of being content already, God pours out the gift of Thanksgiving meals, his grace on your life. This afternoon, or this evening, or yesterday, or Monday, imagine already being content, and God, by his grace, says, and now I'm going to bless you with a meal that is filled with flavor and family and all kinds of laughter and memory. Imagine already being content, and you get to participate in that moment. Just imagine already being content. And on the top of being content, God pours out the blessing of a good marital relationship or good family relationships. Just imagine already being content. And God pours out a gift of grace where you get to go away on Disney vacation. And you're standing there. And I'm not, I'm not like, I am happy because of this thing. No, no, I'm already happy. And I get to experience this thing. This is the life in Christ. We function from the posture of, I'm already content. I'm already content. Whether I have a lot, whether I have a little, whether I can walk, whether I can talk, whether I can, whatever it is, I'm already content. And then God gifts me with grace to experience this pleasure, and this pleasure, and this pleasure, and this pleasure, and so it goes. That person explodes with thankfulness, explodes with thankfulness in their life. They burst back to the giver of all of those things, this incredible sense of thanks, because the thing that we're after, God has already solved in this living relationship with him through his son. That the things in my life, they are wonderful but they're not going to scratch that itch of lasting contentment and joy. They do not have the capacity to do it. In the way the universe has been wired by God himself, the only person, the only thing that can ever fill that void is God himself. And yet we are forever be a people, like Romans 1, I will displace the giver, take the thing, and the thing will terminate in and of itself. Which is why when we go through experiences like Solomon, it's amazing when we go through it. Whether it's a weekend retreat, whether it's a great vacation, whether it's whatever it is that you're after, you will enjoy that thing for that moment. But the moment you see it coming to an end or a few days after, you're on to the next thing. And our lives are just these giant emotional ups and downs because we're still searching for the thing that only God actually does in our lives. And then he brings us to that place of contentment and rest through his son. And then we get to experience those things for what they are, blessings and gifts from God. And the follower of Jesus explodes with praise because we are already in a posture of rest and joy and life and contentment. And then we get to say, oh, you really are good. You really are good. And it's not because of the things that I get. It's because of the posture that I get to live from each and every day of my life. This is why you're good. This other stuff is just gravy. This is the taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Solomon is in no way saying that pleasure is bad. I am in no way saying that pleasure is bad. But when the pleasure becomes the thing itself, it will leave you empty. It will leave you hollow. 
And the worst expression of this, it'll leave you angry at pleasure. Because you went after it thinking, this is where my life is going to be satisfied. And then it terminates on itself, and you're like, I don't understand. I don't understand. I don't understand. I don't understand. It's all meaningless. It's a chasing after the wind. I do not like my life. I've tasted everything. I've experienced everything. And yet, I still don't like my life. God is the one who brings that space into us. God has afforded us this incredible gift through his son. And it is my hope, and this is where I'd invite Dana back to lead us in a few songs here in a moment. This is where we get to experience this incredible gift of God. God in Jesus. He provides to the human being. He provides to you and I. The only one who will provide contentment in the human being's life. And when this happens, and this is my hope for you on this Thanksgiving day, we become a people who truly do erupt with praise and thanksgiving. One of, the, one of the weirdest things, I know this is a bit of a rabbit trail, but it's like, we can believe this lie. And this is like a, a weird example of this. Like, we work hard and then I deserve a break. No. If you think that way, you will never actually turn praise back to the one who's giving you the opportunity for that break. God is the one who brings us to the space of, I enjoy life deeply. I've learned, I can say this as Paul has said, I've learned to be content in all circumstances, with a lot or with a little. It doesn't matter. That is a posture that Jesus brings in the human being's soul. And when the blessings arrive or when the grace is poured out and you get to have dinner and you get to enjoy your spouse and you get to enjoy your children, you get to whatever the case might be, that person explodes with thanks to the one who's given things that he wants to give because it's all his. It's all his. Would you pray with me? Our gracious and heavenly Father, I can never find a sense of rest or contentment in any of the created things. I can't find it in my phone. I can't find it in a vacation. I can't find it in food I eat, I can't find it in the friends I have, the places I go. Those are all, ironically, gifts from you, blessings from you. But for reasons connected to the fall and the foolishness of human beings, we just continually run after the next big wheel in our life. And in time, we begin to hate those things because they didn't ultimately deliver on what they promised. You always do, actually, deliver on the promise. I get to walk with you. I get to know you. I get to experience life. I get to experience this incredible posture of knowing you, walking with you, experiencing you, experiencing what you do to the human heart where you bring it to a place where it's at rest, where it's content, where we've learned the secret of how to be happy with lots of things and how to be happy with nothing. And then when things begin to unfold, we can rejoice in all circumstances 
all for your glory, as a testimony of what you do in our lives. May we be a people who seek after you above all things. In your name we pray. Amen.